step into our confessional. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. From Greatest Hits Radio, Simon Mayo's Confessions. Hello, welcome. Welcome, whether saint or sinner, all are welcome at the Confessions podcast. It's good to be back. It has, admittedly, taken a little bit longer than expected to bring this podcast to you, for which we can only... We can't explain. (laughs) (laughs) Be here for a while. Yeah, And it's also a very boring reason. But anyway, we're here now. So apologies for the delay. Coming up, your messages on the uh, parish notice board, because that's back. A trawl through the squalor. Well, it's basically the stuff that Holly won't let us do. No, yeah. Though I have to say for proper and legitimate reasons. Yeah, quite right. Absolutely, not allowed. But we can hear. (laughs) Yeah, there's a whole variety of reasons for not broadcasting stuff. Like, for example, as we said many times, if you break the law. Yeah, no, 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 mm. I'm getting on. You no. know, so, but we might be able to do that with, I don't know. But if you say, you know, I broke into my neighbour's house and... <laughs> we're, we're not reading that out. Not really. Not, not sure. really. Can't really do no. much about that. Anyway, so we'll have a classic confession uh, from the crypt as chosen by Holly. Uh, Nick's confession from this week, the green, green, incredibly green grass of home. Harry's tale, getting warmer. Thursday's tale, down and out in Dublin Hills. Uh, and also, first up, a little bit of sexy leg in Julie's tale, black holes, and revelations. Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Julie, thank you very much indeed for this tale. It gets a little bit racy. Does it? Father Simon and your oh, wonderful crew, my name is Julie, and in the 1990s, I was the admin manager for a local government admin team. Some 15 mainly female staff, but we had one male admin, who I will call Nobby. Nobby thought he was wonderful and never failed to tell everyone that he was wonderful and that he could do my job far better than I could. He never failed to point this out. Also, he was a total pain in the posterior, to be honest. I'm sure many of your listeners will be nodding Knowingly, we've all worked with someone like Entitled Nobby. Someone who is always better than you. Someone who instinctively feels superior to all his and her other colleagues. This might be a cue for Brother Matthew's class war rant. <laughs> yeah. But we shall see. It was one of Entitled Nobby's tasks to complete the stationary order. And being so wonderful, failed to check it, often making many mistakes. <sighs> On this particular day, I checked the order unknown to him, and noticed that he had ordered 20 boxes of black bin bags instead of two boxes of black bin bags by writing in the wrong column. I decided to teach him a lesson. The full order arrived the next day, and they would not take the extra boxes away. So poor old entitled Nobby had to haul them into the store. While he was doing this, the girls in the office were organising a bin bag fashion show and some were really good. When Entitled Nobby came back upstairs to the office, we were all attired in bin bags, all accessorised which we paraded during our morning break. Poor old Nobby. Thought none of us. At lunchtime, he stomped out of the office to meet his wife for lunch. One of the admin people was called Jane and Jane was friends with Nobby's wife and said they'd been arguing a lot lately and his wife wasn't a happy bunny as Nobby wasn't doing his fair share of childcare duties. Always the sign of a shocker. A cunning plan occurred to me. 
Entitled Nobby cheered up considerably that afternoon when he received a phone call from his wife. He said he was on a promise. <laughs> right. Old-fashioned okay. yeah. terminology. I'm not yeah. even going to explain no, this we're not. to Holly. Okay. Do, you know it, no. do you know what it means? No. Oh, you can probably guess. I'll, I'll just... <laughs> His wife was uh, yes. promising. Yeah, no, no. Right. No okay. need to... Uh, he said he was on a promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't had that phrase for so long. <laughs> and she wanted to make it up to him. She'd obviously been in the wrong and felt very bad. The next morning, he stormed into my office and demanded to know if I had contacted his wife and put her up to it. I replied I had not contacted his wife and what was he on about? It seems she had been very loving and told him to go into the bedroom to get ready. In excited anticipation, he watched as she called his name from outside the door and then a bare leg sexily wrapped around the slightly open door and then a thigh covered in a very sexy, you might have guessed it, bin liner. Oh, Who no. knew that bin liners could be made to replicate foxy undergarments? Corsets? Yes. Suspenders? Kind of. No. Nice try. Thongs? Rather disappointing, apparently, and also unhygienic. Yeah. Unfortunately, Nobby didn't see the funny side and stomped off to sleep in the spare room in a sulk. <laughs> whilst his wife enjoyed the laugh at his expense and a bigger bed. Beg forgiveness for enjoying this much too much and for not owning up to contacting his wife, because I did, but technically I didn't. I just supplied the bin liners. Entitled Nobby never made a mistake with a stationary order ever again. Cloud, silver lining. P.S. I even paid for the bin liners, so it was actually worth it. Anyway, and I think everything is going to be fine and dandy, but you never know because uh, Sister Holly always has to look at this from a very uh, official point of view because she's speaking on behalf of uh, the network <laughs> <laughs> or something right uh, I don't it was just a bit this was a bit much for me I'm going to be honest it was a bit much for me this confession uh, uh, just the leg wrapping around the door mm. it was just a bit much for me corsets uh, and suspenders yeah, yeah. I just, Good. Yeah. but then in the bin bag I just it was petty and I understand that Nobby was not a nice man, and I get it, but I think this was a step too far. Getting involved in the bedroom shenanigans, it's a bit personal and a bit much, and that's why I'm not going to forgive. I love it when you're disapproving. Excellent. <laughs> uh, which is every day. Um, uh, brother from another gutter. I mean, what a way to kick off the new podcast with something as saucy as this. I'm, I'm all in favour. Bit of bedroom shenanigans, why not, Holly? Quite right. Um, I didn't have much attention to detail, did he, Nobby, with putting the wrong number in the wrong columns um, so so really had it coming probably yes he did uh, and also he got the bed to himself and Nobby's wife got the bed to herself as well so that, that worked out well and they found a use for the bin bags so for that reason I choose to forgive Simon Mayo's Confessions Bedroom shenanigans in Julie's confession I have to say there aren't Bedroom shenanigans don't really uh, They don't get on normally no, do they? That no, often they because Holly has that kind of <laughs> sensorial approach quite right this kind of thing yeah, yeah. have you ever tried fashioning an item of clothing from a black bin bag I once went to an Irish race course where it was uh, chucking it down I had no idea it was going to chuck it down before I went and the only thing I had in the boot of my car was a roll of black bin liners and I managed to fashion a well something to put over my head cut a hole in basically three holes one hole to put my body in <laughs> Then what? hole for my head, what? two holes for my arms, and that 
was a um, well, it wasn't very waterproof as it turned out. No, it was. I pretty much abandoned it. Um, but uh, yes, that was me fashioning something out of a bin liner. Why did you have black bin bags in the back of your car? You should always have black bin liners. This is, oh my goodness, this is 101. I'm so glad we've got onto this. (laughs) Uh, Black bin liners are one of those things you should always have in the boot of your car. It's what the uh, RAC says. No, it's not. They 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 say say, like a travel rug and a spade. A a a spade? spade? What does a spade do? It digs you you out of snowdrifts. Oh, right. Right. No one has ever said you need a black bin liner. I'm pretty sure a roll of black bin liners is on the list. Because? AARAC, both of them, because of the um, Irish race course. Uh, Many, who knows, (laughs) there are so many times. No. So many times. Do get in touch. Okay. Holly, have you ever worn a black bin liner for any reason? I don't think I'd be seen dead in a black bin liner for any (laughs) reason. Obviously. (laughs) Imagine. The right answer. Uh, Anyway, eventually we got the people's verdict. Here we go. Tim from Sutton says, is this a case to forgive? course it is. Absolutely no harm done. And Kevin says Forgiven had me snorting into my orange juice. Every cloud has a silver liner and they've been there and done it. People have actually now realised how they get their people's verdict contribution read out. Mm. Either one, I agree with Matt, or two, have a pun in it. Correct. Well done. If you do both, then it's in. Yeah. Now, uh, Parish Notice Board. Now, it's early days with this because this develops as we go through. And, And this is obviously the first of a new season. Well, I'll be season five, let's just say. Let's season just five. Make, talk about from the ether. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's have a look at the bits and pieces that have appeared uh, on the refreshed parish notice yeah board. so obviously this is this is your bit so if you're a listener then uh we want to hear from you uh but i've got this email already from rose uh who says dear father simon i and i'm sure many others will have rejoiced this week at the news that the confessions podcast was returning it'll be fantastic to have you back in my ears while i'm walking the dogs i think i heard you mention confessions from the crypt well if so i'd like to put in an early request for another chance to hear that confession where the woman gets stuck at the wrong funeral and the vicar walks around with a microphone collecting thoughts and dedications for the deceased. Do you remember that? They're really good. Uh, It still makes me laugh out loud every time I think about it. Yours hopefully Rose. I love that confession. That was very good. Can we find find that producer Holly? Yeah, we can dig it out I'm sure. Yes. Excellent. Good. Well, that's more work. (laughs) <laughs> More work for, you. More work for us. Yeah. 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 Uh, Bill Palmer has sent us an email. Uh, hearing a confession a while ago about Greatest Hits Radio being conned out of two unwanted smart speakers gave me pangs of conscience. While I was uh, lorry driving for a chocolate manufacturer delivering bulk liquid chocolate through the night, I did a lot of radio listening. And I was lucky enough to win a CD clock from Lynn Parsons on her Through the Night show. Well, a few years later, while listening to Confessions over at the old place... Oh, not them. You had a Lynn Bowles clock on offer that one of you found in a cupboard after she left for pastures new. Right, Okay. I think we were in a habit of handing out tat. (laughs) We we did go through our tat phase, didn't we? Tat cupboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought says Bill, that clock is for me. So I emailed saying that my old Lynn Parsons clock had stopped uh, with the hope that you might send me another. I'm ashamed to say that this was a lie. There were a few worthy contenders discussed on the podcast and Matt swung it for me by saying it would only seem right for me to have Lynn's clock to replace Lynn's clock. Different Lynn's, but you get the point. Which I think makes Matt part of the deception and I will always be indebted to him. So thanks, Matt. 
I apologise unreservedly and naturally seek some forgiveness. Yours, Bill Palmer. Bill, well, we will forgive you for that just about, I think. I, yes. I'm definitely going to forgive. I mean, even though I was I was brought in unwittingly into that deception, but uh, no, I'm going to forgive. There's always... Yes. See, the thing is, there is always tat yeah, hanging yeah. around. Ooh, yes. I mean, there is a box full of Ken Bruce photos out there. I'm not saying that's tat. That's very <laughs> lovely thing. <laughs> but if we... Would, do you think we'd have enough... If, if we had a, people writing in says, can I have something from the tat cupboard... Yeah, I'm sure there's there's stuff knocking around, there's a few pens, you know, the odd mug, perhaps. Okay. Picture of Ken. I mean, (laughs) if in doubt, a picture of Ken. There seems to be quite a lot of pictures of Ken. Yeah, Yeah. Anyway, if that's your thing, get in touch, simon at greatestitsradio.co.uk and mark your email tat cupboard. Absolutely, yes. That's what you should do. And also, can I just mention, we've got a couple of Facebook messages here. Yes. uh, Which we've received uh, since we announced the podcast. People are very, very excited. Uh, Tina here says, so happy to hear that Confessions podcast is back, though slightly worried about wetting myself with laughter on the bus on the way to work. I hope that doesn't happen, Tina. Um, Linda Glasspole says, can't wait. This is going to be amazing, obviously. Yeah. And Fiona Ellis says, the original and my favourite podcast is back. Love, Simon and the team, especially Matt's dirty laugh with a kiss. Mm, <laughs> yes. Never really thought of it as that, but yes, uh, you, you know. And Sid James. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to explain Sid James was an actor. Carry on. Carry on. Yes, I know him. <laughs> Cultural reference. <laughs> Didn't need to be explained after all. No. Anyway, lots of lovely messages this week about the return of the podcast, so thank you very much. And some of it came on Twitter as well, which I'm still calling uh, Twitter. Thank yep. you for those. Uh, any thoughts, questions, verdicts, extra... Any? It's basically AOB. It's any other business. And we'll put it on the parish notice board. All welcome. Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Time for the... Uh, I don't know whether it's right to call it dirty or CD. It's the stuff that doesn't get on air. Mm-hmm. Why would something mm. not get on air, producer Holly? Well, you know, people are eating their tea when we're doing confessions, yes. and it might just be a little bit much. It might be a little bit rude. There might be toilets involved. Yeah. It might be just a bit dodgy. Uh, you know, it, it, just anything that we're not quite sure about, we leave out. But we can, of course, share here, which is what's so wonderful. So, for example, Ruby and Quentin contacted us, and they had a confession. Um, about deploying some questionable parenting techniques, uh, they sought to curb their son's overly chatty personality by convincing him that he had uh, only a quota of words to use in his lifetime. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this. He was on track to use up his whole quota by his 10th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. On the morning of his 10th birthday, they both pretended not to be able to hear him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Convinced he was now mute and unable to carry out his usual threat to call child. child <laughs> that's bad. No, no, that's bad. I could have read that out. No, I'm pretty sure that's okay, no, isn't it? No, yes. that's bad. A quota of words. I like that. I wish I thought of that. Yeah. The poor child. It's <laughs> very inventive, you know. As as parent, we've had quite a few parental tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the podcast, but there is an example of the heavy hand of the producer making sure that the morality of Greatest Hits Radio is uh, is unchallengeable. Absolutely, it's tip top. So this is another one that we that we considered. Catherine was worried that the spicy chilli kebab... OK, well, always. Oh, Already. No. Here we go. <laughs> this one ends in a toilet. That's going to be my spicy prediction. Spicy chilli kebab consumed at the end of the hen-, hen night celebrations might have disagreed with her. However, waking in the morning on the sofa, there was no evidence of anything untoward. All appeared fine. Maybe it had all been a bad dream, something that they could all laugh about. 
or at least they could until the poor bride-to-be slipped on her boots later that afternoon, squishing her toes deep into the cold, vomity kebab. Oh! Lovely, 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 so lovely. gross. Yeah. No, I, no. I agree with not doing that one. No, yeah, 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 no it's no. a bit much, no isn't need. it? There's a yeah. limit to the amount of vomit uh, yeah. that is yeah. uh, acceptable. Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Uh, and if you just want to get in touch and tell us stuff, that's also where you can go. Uh, right, onwards with another of this week's confessions Harry's Tale Getting Warmer. Something to confess Simon Mayo's Confessions. I was a fresh faced. 16-year-old apprentice at a dealership garage and as such had all the good jobs, you know, sweeping up, emptying the bins, making the tea and doing all the go and get me a donut runs because they all spoke as though yeah, they were in slow horses. Yeah, I'm going to guess, mm. yeah. Uh, it was pretty rubbish, to be perfectly honest. Now, one of the jobs was to clean out the snack room fridge. I mean, there you go. Oh, there's, there's a top job. So this was supposed to be done on a weekly basis, but I very much doubted if it had been done for the least for the last six months from when the said fridge was purchased. I'm not sure anybody actually cleaned it ever, so you can imagine that I was met with a few choice aromas Oof. and new forms of life growing in sandwich bags. Oh. I totally blitzed the fridge with copious amounts of bleach and cleaning agents, and it came up a treat, Father Sam, and I even pulled it out and hoovered behind, sucking up an old receipt and a lot of crumbs. I was very pleased with myself, and I asked the boss to have a look, and he was also very pleased, and he treated me to a chippy lunch for a good job well done, oh. and he let me off early as it was a Friday. Jobs are good, as someone once said. So come Monday, and all was good until lunch, when one chap said his lunch was warm. Further investigation led to the warm fridge that was definitely not cold at all. The dial was set to maximum cold, but it was undoubtedly a warm fridge. No problem, said the boss. It's only six months old. We can return it. I'll get the receipt from admin. Well, after a lot of raised voices and looking through various folders, it was obvious admin couldn't find the receipt at all. And yes, this was the receipt that I had sucked up with the vacuum the previous week. Admin had taped the receipt to the back of the fridge in a little envelope, which is quite a smart move. But I had hoovered it up and had been thrown away. So a new fridge was purchased and put in place of the old one, and the old one was carried by myself and the other apprentice and placed out the back. And this is when I had a good look at the fridge and I realised that the dial was kind of not on properly. I'd obviously pulled the knob off when the cloth I'd been using to clean the fridge had got caught on it and I yanked it and it sort of came off just ah. a little bit. Mm. Yeah. So good thump and it was on properly. I ran an extension out to it and I plugged it in. An hour or two later, voila, it was lovely and cold. There you go, cold fridge. But oh dear, it was all my fault and I got the admin yelled at because they'd lost the receipt and they had to buy a new one. The admin people, see? Oh, right. Now, it's already bad enough, but I knew that my brother had just moved into his first flat and needed appliances. I therefore sold him the fridge for 40 quid. (laughs) (laughs) As he came to pick me up and he picked me up at the fridge. So I actually actually profited from my own mistake. Yeah. Dearest and ever forgiving collective, I seek your forgiveness from the admin who got shouted at and from my boss who unnecessarily purchased a new fridge that I had broken anyway. And I profited and I shouldn't have and I throw myself humbly at your mercy. Yours sincerely, Harry. Hang on a second. 
Oh, it was a soft no, one. No, no, I thought, I thought yeah, that was going to be yeah. the hard one, but that was actually the soft one. Anyway, okay, so we need a little bit of a... Crossfade there, wow. Do you think that's what was Billy needed? Billy Boxing loves that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I was just concentrating on making sure that the next record was going to be slightly longer than the oh, one really? that's planned. Oh, right. Wait for the verdicts. Yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, Sister Holly, take your time. Take your time well, Matt and I have lots to say, really. Well, the thing is, I was starting to feel sorry for Harry, really, in all of this. I was thinking, gosh, you know, it wasn't his fault that he, you know, sucked up the receipt in the vacuum, but it was the selling the fridge to the brother that I wasn't impressed with. Is that he right? sold it for 40 quid, which is a lot of money to take off your own sibling. I thought that was really quite poor. I mean, giving it to his brother would also have been bad, but slightly less bad. Uh, and also, he should have just really come clean. The poor admin staff, they did their job. They taped the receipt to the back of, of the fridge. They did what they had to do. And so really, Harry should have come forward and he shouldn't have sold the, the uh, fridge to his brother. So all in all, not forgiving at all. To be all. honest, that's actually quite a useful thing. If you buy an appliance, keep the receipt and sellotape it to the back of it rather than keep it in a file which you're going to lose. But what if you hoover it up because you're being really tidy and clean like Harry? Yeah, okay. <sighs> anyway, but he did flog it to his brother for 40 quid. He did. From another I mean, I'm going to say 40 quid for a second-hand fridge, that feels pretty steep. Really, isn't the onus on the brother to try and get a better deal for the for the second-hand fridge? It's not on, not, not on Harry's fault that his brother hasn't worked out that it's too much to pay for a second-hand fridge. Also, who tapes their receipts to the back of their fridges? No one does. No, but the reason you've never heard of it is because it doesn't work. Because when you're looking for your receipt, when you've got a problem with your fridge, you don't look behind the fridge. What you do is you go to your accordion file that's got all the receipts for all of the white goods in your house, and there it is, ready to go, and you just ring up a uh, okay, white that's where we leave Matt's uh, admin exactly assistance exactly tips. Well, I don't think we need any more, but that's very interesting filing information. <laughs> Top anecdote, I think. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Today's confession comes from Mitch. This confession goes back around 15 years ago when I was living in the Irish Republic. To set the scene, I have type 1 diabetes and as such require regular eye screening only carried out some 50 miles away in Dublin as a preventative measure against some of the complications associated with this condition. The screening process involves eye drops to dilate the pupils fully to enable a good digital image of the back of the eye. The downside of this is that I can't drive for eight hours afterwards as it leaves my vision impaired. I mean, many people have had similar mm -hmm. drops and will know what Mitch, not his real name, is talking about. So for this particular early morning screening appointment in the late noughties, I got the train to Dublin the night before and stopped in a modestly priced 40 euros B&B &B with threadbare carpets and probable wildlife in the bedsheets. Rising from my slumber in the morning, I put on yesterday's clothes consisting of tatty jeans, runners with holes in and a t-shirt that may have had some spilt beer on it from the night before. Oh, and I didn't have a shave as I travelled light, just like Jack Reacher, but not oh, really like Jack okay. Reacher. Mm. Yeah. But he's travelling light, we get yeah. the idea. After all, I was only there for an eye screening appointment, not a job interview or court appearance. I was more Claude Greengrass than the Paris or Milan catwalks. This is a reference to uh, a character played by Bill Maynard in the TV series. I'm just explaining for Holly. Thank oh, you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the TV series Heartbeat, and he was very much kind of run down and scruffy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. All right, okay, so that's what he's looking like. Right. Just to explain. It's complicated business. <laughs> During the screening, 
I agreed to undergo a new additional process which involved an injection of a... Oh, I should have said, if you're a bit squeamish... <laughs> <laughs> Literally the start of the sentence before the warning. Yes. Yeah. Additional process which involved an injection of a dye into my blood which would highlight any current leakage from blood vessels in the back of my eyes. Yeah. A side effect of this is that it would make my skin appear discoloured, maybe a bit grubby. Well, after the appointment, I was advised to go somewhere dark for a bit and take on plenty of fluids to help flush out some of the dye from my system. Fortunately, Dublin is full of dark places where you can take on plenty of fluids. They're called pubs. <laughs> so I got on the outside of a few good cold ones and then headed for Connolly Station where I had about 90-minute wait for my train home. Normally, when faced with a wait of this duration, I would read a book or do some crossword puzzles, but as my eyesight was still impaired, this wasn't possible. So I got a cup of tea from the shop and I drank it sitting on the steps of the station, after which a combination of the earlier alcohol consumption and the boredom took its toll and I nodded off. The next thing I knew, I was being awoken by a guard officer, a police officer, asking me to move on, which I thought was strange and unfair. However, with shock, I discovered that my empty paper teacup was now overflowing in small change, left no doubt <laughs> by the kind-hearted commuters of Dublin, oh. mistaking me for someone down on their luck oh. and living on the streets. Well, when I think about it, that's exactly what I did look like. I was asleep, I did smell of alcohol, I had grubby skin, tatty, beer-stained clothes. Of course I looked like a gentleman of the road. Anyway, instead of leaving the station, I got my ticket out and boarded my train with pocketfuls of cash. So, I would like to seek forgiveness from those kind Dublin folk who spared me their change. Though in mitigation, and this is where I think we're going to trap Holly in compulsory forgiveness. In mitigation, I did make a donation of 20 euros to the Simon community uh, when I got oh. home in an attempt to clear my conscience. Yes. So, so, yeah. now, so my, my, my prediction, we're on tenderhooks here, my prediction is that even Holly is going to forgive this because nobody, I, he wasn't deliberate, he wasn't pretending to be homeless, he wasn't mm. pretending, he just nodded off for all the medical reasons and people had thought he was uh, in need of a few euros and they gave him a lot, but then he gave $20. I think you're right. I, I You know what? It's uh, I'm going to forgive. Wow. Uh, and, and the reason well, is, is because he gave the money to charity. If he hadn't have done that act at the end, if he'd said, and I kept the money, now that would be an obvious absolute no-no but he gave the money to charity in the end and so really it was it was all good and they wanted to give money to, to a homeless person obviously he wasn't homeless um i mean falling asleep on the steps of a train station is a it's a bit weird i don't know why you would do that and I, I get it was a stressful day but maybe don't do that but he gave money to charity and we've got to encourage that so, so unless that's why he, got, he, might, he might have got a hundred dollars a hundred euros in his cup i suppose that'd be unlikely 50 yeah. euro notes that wouldn't be likely so anyway I think he's he's gained and he's given and yes. he's learned and, yes. we've all learned. and we've all learned I think we, I think we have haven't we? and uh, the good people of Dublin as well uh, for, for dropping some money into his cup I think everyone we all feel nice and warm after that story I think which is what we could do with in these temperatures in January so I'm going to definitely forget but the money to charity well I mean frankly I'd have forgiven him even if he hadn't given the money to charity but that's just it, me um, so yeah kept, for himself. yeah kept it for himself and blown it all on Guinness um, so yes I'm going to forgive Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. 
Tonight's confession comes from Nick. He signed it, Nick, in some other county. Simon and the team, I'll set the scene for you if you like. Well, yes, it would be helpful. It's the early 1990s, and I'm in my 20s. In those days, there wasn't overkill on health and safety, you know, and a car driver's licence meant that you could get straight into a seven and a half tonne lorry and drive. This is relevant to the story. Okay. I was at a loose end, I guess you'd say, and went to work for the family business as a parcel delivery driver slash mechanic slash pallet collection delivery guy. Basically, do anything. Yeah. So after doing my daytime duties, I was called upon to do a small night shift job every now and again. So the fateful night arrives and I drove about an hour from our yard in a seven and a half ton lorry to the depot to collect the next day's pallets and parcels. Got into the yard. I was early, the first vehicle to be loaded. I thought, get loaded quickly, have a snooze in the lay-by for an hour, turn up at the yard before anyone else. Brilliant plan. We were easily pleased in the 1990s. That sounded like a good day. Yes. Mm. I walked into the warehouse, and there were the parcels and the boxes and the pallets everywhere. There was no one around. I walked to where the noise was coming from, and all the staff were drinking tea smoking fags and playing cards on a tea break. It's, not, it's back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When was the last time you had a tea break, Holly? <laughs> See, it doesn't really happen now. No, no, no. not really. just have a tea at your desk. Mm. I asked to be loaded and I was grunted at, you can load yourself, mate. <laughs> oh, fortunately, <laughs> wow. we're in that part of the world, aren't we? Is it Roy Winston? <laughs> yeah, it could have been. I explained that I didn't have a forklift licence and I wasn't very good but needless to say, nobody cared and no one got up to help me. So I went into the collection centre and saw what I had to get onto the lorry. Well, Father Simon, it started off really well. <laughs> uh, yeah. At the beginning, I was there. I was picking up the pallets and picking up the parcels off the floor and loading them into the lorry, and I was doing it very well, and I was very pleased with myself. Until I came across an IBC, which sounds like a, a missile, but it's not. <laughs> it's an intermediate bulk container. And it's a large 1,000-litre fluid container inside a metal cage on a pallet. So that's 1,000 litres of fluid. Right. Well, Simon, I'd never encountered one of these before. And whilst it didn't look like a pallet at the bottom, it had slots where the forks and the forklift truck would go, and then it could lift it up. So the problem was, on this pallet, there were three slots, but I didn't know which of the slots to use. It was... Apparently, I learned later, going to a local golf course. And inside was a thousand litres of green dye to dye the grass. <laughs> oh, no. I know you're ahead of me. <laughs> I attempted to pick up the pallet, and as I did, I hit something on the bottom of the pallet, thinking that I was doing the right thing. I kept pushing. All of a sudden, I could see green dye dripping onto the floor. And then the drip became a gush. And then the gush became a flood and literally everything turned green. It flooded the depot floor, soaking every box inside. It was actually a very nice shade of green, somewhere between, if you check with a well-known high-end paint company, mm -hmm. breakfast room green and Danish lawn green with a hint of teal. But no. it didn't just stop. It just kept on going and it soaked everything and then it went into the next box and I ran into the tea room and they were still laughing and joking and playing cards and smoking number six but I explained that I was loaded and I couldn't get the last pallet onto the lorry I said I'd be back later they weren't interested I made a sharp exit hot-footed it out of there never to return funny enough 
They never asked me to do the run ever again. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I made my mark. So therefore I need to ask forgiveness for the staff at the parcel delivery depot. But I do also particularly ask to all of those customers that had their parcels soaked in green dye and to the people that ended up with green hands that wouldn't wash off. But at least it was close to breakfast room green and <laughs> Danish yeah. lawn green mm. with a hint of teal. Mm. So they'd have looked pretty classy. And also... Looking on the bright side, it might have covered up their nicotine-stained fingers. Because oh, yes. remember, remember yeah. that kid smoking yeah, is very yeah, bad yeah. for you. Yeah, don't it's do early it. yeah. 90s, early 90s, yes. different times. Yes. Everyone used to be smoking yeah. back in the day. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Nick in some other county wishes uh, forgiveness for basically letting loose a thousand litres of green dye. And staining everything in sight. What do you say, Sister Holly? Well, it was a disaster waiting to happen, really. Driving a forklift truck, well, not trucker, uh, you know, the lorry, whatever it is. Yes, I don't know. Yeah. I don't do these things. And so, really, that was stupid. That really was stupid. If you don't, if you've never done it before, then don't do it because it's a disaster waiting to happen. Everything he went green. He didn't want to do it. He everywhere. didn't want to do it, though. Yeah, and then he did it, and then he just sort of snuck away. He, he did. didn't actually own up and say, this was all my fault, guys. And it's it's been really bad. He just he just snuck away, and that's not very good. And so that's why I'm not going to forgive. However, one would imagine a different reaction from Brother Matthew. Yeah, you would, because I mean, at least he had a go, didn't he? Had a go. <laughs> can I can I operate the forklift? Turns out, no, I can't because I haven't been trained. But also, I would argue, what were all those lot doing with the tea break? Nobody's lifting a finger, but now they're going to have to lift a lift a, a nicotine stained finger. That's what they're going to have to lift now because and work out all of the damage caused because they were too lazy on the tea breaks and the capstan full strength so for that they reason were, they were addicted. I'm going to forgive Simon Mayo's Confessions there were a lot of references to tobacco yeah you talk about capstan full strength I did now these were cigarettes back then <laughs> yes, right, another okay. reference so, for Holly there. so what happened is when they published the, they published like a, a list of the cigarettes that are the None of them were good for you, but kind of like yeah. the least worst and the absolute humdingers that you should definitely avoid. Okay. So at the top were things like, you know, ultra cool, menthol, mm. you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. And the very, very bottom one was capstan full strength. <laughs> Na- <laughs> Navy rub or something like that. So it, 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 for me, it's always like yeah. the worst. They're all bad. Yes. yes. They're all bad, but the very worst was capstan full strength. You're on the high seas. You may as well have this high tar fag before you go. Exactly. Anyway, Nick's confession, green, green, incredibly green grass uh, of home. Uh, Let's hear what people made of that in the end. So easy to forgive this, says Tommy. You have to remember, health and safety was very different in the early 90s and no one would have battered an eyelid at him moving the forklift without experience. Hannah says, forgiven, I had no idea that they dyed the grass at golf clubs. That's ridiculous. All their own fault. And Jerry says, I'm with Brother Matt on this one. The tea-drinking smokers didn't care less. I'd have loved to have seen their faces when they saw the damage. In fact, I'm green with envy. Oh, dear. Um, it is certainly <laughs> true so good. that uh, changing attitudes to health and safety have provided quite a few confessions over yes. the time. That now they sound horrific, but back in the day, it's just the way life was, Holly. It honestly. was, yes. <laughs> you want to turn up at your pizza restaurant and sit there and smoke your capstan full straight? Yes. Fine, no yeah. one is going to chuck no. you out. Anyway, let's dust off a classic next as we delve into the crypt. And in future episodes of this, hopefully, they'll be picked by you. So if you have something that you particularly like, we've already had one uh, suggested, then let us know. Confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. However, with the obvious production restrictions of this being, you know, 
the first one of the new season, season five. Uh, producer Holly has taken it upon herself to select her favourite. Yes, well, when we were thinking about Confessions from the Crypt, I was thinking of this fantastic confession. It was around a year ago now, and it has the biggest plot twist yes. I've ever heard. It really puts, you know, the sixth sense to shame in, in, in plot wow. twist glory. It's so fantastic. Uh, it was uh, Knuckles, and I think he was in Thailand, and where you think it's going is not where it goes. Yes, it is Knuckles, and the confession is called I Was Born Under a Wandering Star. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Knuckles sends in today's Knuckle. confession. Oh, Thanks, Knuckles. Father, Father Simon, brother Matt, sister Susie. Today I seek forgiveness for an unfortunate situation that occurred not on these shores and very far from home. It was the noughties, and until a few months before the incident in question, I'd been living a successful, if rather bland, life. I had the job, I had the house, I had the car, but I was questioning my life choices and whether all this materialism with its overrated central heating, hot showers and wardrobes full of plentiful clothes was really for me. So I did what all sensible people should do and I quit my job, sold my car, rented my house and bought a round-the-world ticket and a backpack. Oh. Time to grow my hair, put on a pair of fisherman pants and tie a smelly piece of string around my wrist. I am going travelling. <laughs> I wasn't like your average gap year student, says Knuckles. I was older than many of my fellow travellers and, blessed with the proceeds from the sale of my car, was able to enjoy the full benefits world travel can offer. I did a road trip across the US. I abseiled through waterfalls in Costa Rica. I hiked to Machu Picchu in Peru. I sambered in Brazil and I skydived in New Zealand. I eventually arrived in Southeast Asia, which is where my confession takes place. I was determined to seek a path less travelled, and this is how I ended up in a town in the north of Laos. I boarded a bus to take me on the journey. My seat was a sack of potatoes. Despite generating a considerable dust plume as it bounced along a red earth dirt road, the bus company clearly didn't think that oiling the windows to allow them to close was a worthy endeavour. The bus was mainly full of local people, but there was a handful of intrepid fellow travellers, and to my surprise, at first glance at least, some of us seemed to have something in common. Lone male travellers in their thirties. I had found my tribe. We arrived in the town and bonded over a beer or three, and stories of diarrhoea. Standard travel affair, as you understand. And then, softened by the effects of maybe my third bottle of cold beer, two of the more adventurous of my tribe, let's call them Bear and Jock, convinced me to go on a mountain bike ride the next day. Jock was sporty, the kind of person that ran half marathons for fun. He knew where to find an entrepreneurial local man who would rent us our bikes. Bear was a chisel-jawed Californian who thrived on survival pursuits. Ugh. He had an endless supply of positivity and hyperbole. Ugh. Awesome. I was unfit and on the grumpier side of life, especially if deprived of food. The next day, I reluctantly joined Jock and Bear as we set off on our bicycle adventure. If the previous day's bus journey had been uncomfortable, it was nothing compared to how my trouser area felt <laughs> after two hours of gusset rubbing. Oh. Jock and Bear were well ahead of me when eventually we arrived in what felt like an oasis in the rising heat of the day, a small town. The grimace that was now etched on my face must have painted a thousand words, none of them pleasant, because both Jock and Bear were quick to accept my plea to refuel on food and water. 
As we cycled further into the town, I finally spotted my Divana. Like the rest of the houses in town, it was a humble wooden structure, but inside it was full of people sitting down and tucking into bowls of rice and fish stew. This is the place for us. We walked in. This wasn't the place for us. <laughs> it was as though the piano player had stopped and every face turned to look at us with somber disdain. There was a counter where the food was being served by the only friendly-looking face in the room, a slender lad in his twenties. I walked over to him and frantically pointed at a bowl, some rice, then the fish stew, and finally my mouth. <laughs> I rounded off my mind with a big smile and an enthusiastic rub of my belly. <laughs> Boom! The message landed and the three of us ignored the room full of eyes firmly fixed on us uh, to perch at the only empty table where I promptly wolfed down the meal. There is nothing like exercise to fuel a healthy appetite, so I returned to the counter to get a refill. Delicious. Jock eventually turned to me and said, We should pay. Having connected with the lad at the counter, I returned to settle our tab. Once again, I pointed enthusiastically at the food, pointed at my mouth, but he looked confused. I tried again, but this time with more exaggerated actions. He looked more perplexed and then signaled to a girl in the room in her late teens. She walked over and he muttered something to her. I started my game of charades once again, but she quickly tapped my arm and interrupted. You speak English, she said. Hallelujah, I thought. Um, yes. I said, smiling like the Cheshire Cat, we love your restaurant and your food. We had four bowls of fish to you and now we'd like to pay. The girl looked f confused. Must be my accent. Easily solved. Every Brit abroad knows if you're not understood the first time, what you need to do is to speak loudly and of slowly. Of course. We had four bowls of fish stew and now we want to pay. I reached for my wallet. She quickly raised her hand to stop me and then the words that have haunted me until this day. You know, pay. It's my uncle's funeral. <laughs> Father Simon, Brother Matt, Sister Susie, I seek forgiveness. From the, not from the people whose funeral wake we'd interrupted with shared fish stew. Despite our language barrier, the joke was on us. After the meal, we were welcome to stay. We became minor celebrities. Now I seek forgiveness for the lo from the local entrepreneur who rented us the bicycles that were eventually returned a day late. He had clearly invested a large sum of his savings in the business, not to have the worry that some f reckless foreigners had done a runner with the bikes and his next customers would be left without wheels. Father Simon, Brother Matt, Sister Susie, please exercise your compassion and remove the burden of guilt that has plagued me for all these years. <laughs> well, it's, it's a fine tale. And our first, I believe, from Laos. Yeah. Uh, they were very excited. However, it didn't go quite the way they expected. But it, it seems as though it turned out <laughs> in the end. Sister Susie, the voice of responsibility. Well, Knuckles, I just... I, I don't know what to say. I, I've just... That, that you know, you should have known when you walked in the piano shop. Play. Surely, it, it might, you must have been able. There must have been some clues that it was a funeral. It must have been. And yeah, wow. You could have, you could have just left a donation maybe. But I just don't think I can forgive you because that is shocking. Absolutely shocking. <gasps> Can't I can't brother from another? Is that, I mean, was was there any? I mean, what kind of clue? I mean, unless there's a coffin literally in the room. Formal How dress, would you know? Black tie, yeah, maybe yeah, not in Laos. In a formal dress. Oh, it's hilarious! I love that. It's super. What a payoff! You don't pay. It's my uncle's funeral. Oh, super! I'm and then they stayed, and they stayed and had a few more beers yes. afterwards. <laughs> oh, oh, I love no. that. Oh, what a tale! Brilliant. Well done. Simon Mayo's confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. 
And that was the confession from the crypt for our first podcast of season five. Knuckles' tale, I was born under a wandering star. Uh, and you're absolutely right, Holly. The reason why that was spectacular, apart from the fact it was very well written, was the fact that it gets to like the last 5% of the of, of the story. You think, where is this going? Yeah, you have no idea. And then boom, bombshell hits you in the face. <laughs> you know, pay. this is my uncle's funeral. Brilliant. Yeah, that's a very good, very, very good line. If you have a request for a classic confession that you remember fondly, send us the details. Uh, as much as you can and if you can help us you know like when it went out and the, the precise show <laughs> yes. yes and oh the record God. before yeah. and the record yeah. afterwards anyway anything you've got confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk we'll do our best to dig it out of the confessions crypt uh, can I quickly remind you to do all because it's compulsory yes it is the follow like and subscribe thing yeah do all of those yes. things please tell everybody about it yes uh, say hey Friend and neighbour, mm-hmm. knock on, knocking on doors. Yes. Yep. Have you heard that the Simon May Confessions podcast is back and it's a real humdinger? Mm-hmm. Also, write a, write very positive reviews. Five star reviews only is what we will accept, and only five star reviews, please. Yes. Make sure five star. Apparently, there's a four and a half. No, there's not. Oh no. No, 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 no. Can no, we no. get that scrubbed? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll end episode one of the brand new season of Confessions. Thank you very much, indeed, for downloading us. We're still in search uh, of a confession that is so outrageous and devious that Matt can't forgive. <laughs> I mean, good luck with that. Um, yeah. Anyway, so if you have a confession for us, send it to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Until next time, Sister Holly says goodbye now. Goodbye now. Matt says goodbye now. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Want to confess? Simon Mayo would love to hear your story. He may even keep it to himself. He definitely won't keep it to himself. Send gory details, please, to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk.